Happy New Year, everybody. Coming to you from my man cave here in Holland, Ohio. Arby's 419 Man Cave. It's the Midnight Blue and Gold Launchpad Podcast. I am Rocket Ryan Brandt. I am PJ Spiller, a.k.a. Padgillic. And I'm Dan Rocket Man Savage. And of course, on the ones and the twos, the threes and the fours, we got engineer, producer extraordinaire, the one, the only, Kyle W. Smith. Now, wait a minute. I just noticed Kyle doesn't have a microphone today. We're going to have to, you're going to have to share with him, Ryan. Well, that's my, you know. my lip fungus has uh, been cured and all that stuff. So it, it's all cleared up. Right. Well, yeah. That's a plus. Shouldn't be too bad, but uh, yeah, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, Happy New Year to you, all you guys. And uh, Back at you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, the last time we talked, we were leading up to the Arizona Bowl, which from my standpoint, getting to go out to it with my Seeing my daughters, uh, Holly Newman, a, a, a much-mentioned guy on this podcast. He was there with us. Greg Stoiber, my buddy out in Arizona. Stacy Ruggiero, Greg Cardenas, and then um, Aislinn's friend, Kate, and Stacy. I don't think they have last names. They're kind of like Sharon Madonna. They don't have last <laughs> names. Anyway, we had a great crew. We piled into this rented Ford Explorer and drove an hour and a half down to Tucson. Had a great time. The weather was perfect. The game was perfect until the final kick of course of course sounds like a blast i mean you know we're all kind of jealous you got to go out there and enjoy the nice weather while we sat back in in dreary cloudy toledo but expound upon the game a little bit and then we'll take advantage of our viewpoints watching it on tv it, it was scenic and warm right oh it was it was perfect so that's Seven, all that matters <laughs> 75 degrees uh, and the great thing about it that stadium university of arizona stadium is just a classic college football stadium. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Illinois. Um, okay. It was um, a little, I mean, just from the from the age standpoint, it reminded me of that. But it was um, just a, a great atmosphere. The Wyoming fans couldn't have been more gracious and nice. They had a great tailgating section out there. Oh, nice. Um, Barstool, um, yeah, it was the Arizona, the Barstool Arizona Bowl tailgate section, and uh, all you had to do was just get in, and then they had beer trucks and food trucks, and uh, uh, they were giving away free samples of tequila, and that's what uh, happened to Greg and Polly. We lost them for a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> you drinking out of boots down there? They, I, boots there. I, I didn't see them. We lost them, so they might have been. They might have been. <laughs> Knowing Polly, he, he very well could have been drinking out of a cowboy boot. I just know that uh, that we all had a good time. the uh, The band was there; they sounded great. Uh, just um, you know, from a from a standpoint of the way we played, I thought um, probably could have given the ball to to Jacquez a little bit more. Heck, he averaged eleven yards a carry, right. including that eighty yard scamp scamper in the third quarter there. But uh, you know, um, it was just a, and, a, and a weird thing too uh, that that touchdown to get called back on Devin Rogers. Oh. What oh. you know? It looked like it shouldn't. You know, from a standpoint of the way it happened, you're thinking, okay, something there. It looks illegal, but it wasn't. Yeah, I was gonna say. So I don't really know because I. So the room I was in, uh, the audio was at regular level, but we were all very loud and drinking. So <laughs> I don't know what the announcers had to say about that play. Well, they probably wouldn't have been able to say anything anyway because they were so bad from what I understand. Well, it was just big man touchdown. How can you take it back? Right. So. And, and, and what they did was, Kyle, I don't know if you, I remember the exact wording of the officials, but they were like, they called it a a touchdown at first, and then they called it back. Or I'm sorry, they called it 
illegal touching at first. Well, they, they called two different penalties. Yeah. Um, they almost corrected themselves, and then they had a review. Yeah. They decided which call they wanted. But it, you yeah, can't go back. You can't go back and review a call that's been made. It, it seemed like the refs were barstool employees. They just Exactly, and I heard that from a lot of people. That It's like, are the refs employed by barstool? Because this is just a, it's a goat show. So, I think it was, uh, they were a Sunbelt crew. Is that what I heard? Yeah, they were Sunbelt. Yeah. But they, they were pathetic, to be honest. I mean, you can't call yourself back. And then the official on the field says, we were correct in the first call that we made, but not the second. You know, so it, it, oh. it, was, it was a complete joke. So, to me, it seemed like the offensive linemen were too far downfield. For them, like regardless of who well, touched it first, what they it can't said, be over three yards or whatever. No, because so. they, they he, he touched the ball and the linemen were not three yards downfield. They were, they were five or six. I mean, really, they were. So, but no matter what, the play on the field was a touchdown. They said There's nothing reviewable. They there. said it was illegal touching because he touched it and the ball advanced forward when the lineman caught it. Well, the ball was. Touched first by Jack the, West, right, player, right. but they they were saying that you can't touch the ball and advance it forward to another player, which is not even a rule in college football. Yeah, so yeah, maybe that it could have very well been the wrong call. What I got yeah. gathered was when it was touched, the offensive linemen were too far downfield because there was even another lineman blocking in front of him who caught it, <laughs> and then Rodgers scampered in, and, you know, it was one of the cooler plays of the bowl season, but obviously all for not. Yeah, right. it was. So, yeah, I again, I couldn't and, hear the announcer, so I don't know what the hell was happening. And you know what's funny, too? Uh, you know, getting back to the, the announcers, all we heard about ever since that game was it was an abomination of broadcasting. It was terrible. It was this. It was that. Barstool was doing the game. You know what you were getting. I think some people didn't realize yeah, exactly. what was going on, especially the older people. Yeah, there was a uh, lot of fans that didn't realize what they were going to be tuning into. And, I mean, Kyle and I watched the game together, and we knew exactly what we were doing. We thought a lot of it was hilarious. Yeah. But then there was a lot of it that was like, all right, you don't need to be cutting down the players and and uh, cutting down coaching decisions and players, you know, you know, making mistakes. Well, the the whole setup is an ego situation because you really could do what ESPN does where you have the normal broadcast on CW and Barstool could do the whole Dave Portnoy, Big Cat. That's uh, what they should have done. What we talked about. Service. I went into the game with an ex- thinking it was going to be an extension of my living room, and that's kind of what it was. Kind but of, yeah. Whatever we were talking shit, but, we're, you know, we're 30. Right. So, uh, you know, if aunts and uncles and grandparents out there didn't like it. Yeah, you probably didn't, wouldn't like being in my living room during the game as well. So right, it is what it is. But And then you just informed us earlier that now Barstool has, has lost their affiliation with that bowl. Yeah, they uh, got out of the contract. Those guys make more money than they were remotely giving to the bowl teams, which was split 12 ways throughout the conference. So yeah, the University of Toledo got $29,000 for playing that game. Are you kidding me? $350,000 divided by 12, and we are subsidizing Akron soccer for that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. think of the cost it took them to get the, the team and the band out there and everything. It's It still did have over a million viewers on the CW, which is great. Um, great for them and their advertisers, but not for the university. Yeah, people watched it, but I think that was more to do with the opt-out bowl, Orange Bowl at the same time. No one was interested in a 60-whatever-to-nothing exactly. game. Yeah. So, um, all circumstances, you know, it was 
a tough way to end the season, but without our four best players, really for most of the game, Judge only played maybe a series or two. Still nice to see him get in there and get in for a series after all he's been through. Absolutely. And I know Max and Hook was uh, still nursing that injury that he had on and off throughout the year, so he, right. he did not play. And, uh, and of course, Quinion Mitchell. He was there in his jersey, a bit uh, in shorts, and that was about it. He declared for the draft. Yep. So, and again, I, uh, you know, we talked about the last time we were on here about the transfer portal, and it, it is what it is. But you know, when a guy decides to declare for the draft, I'm kind of excited about that because he gets drafted, and they say that University here's here's the fifth round pick out of the University of Toledo, Judge Culpepper, that kind of thing. Exactly. It gives you that school pride. Yeah, right I, I saw a list. Uh, someone composed uh, Mac transfers in and out. And Toledo was even as of a couple of days ago, eight, eight and eight. eight. Yeah. So, as compared to the other numbers, that was definitely the best in the conference. It feels like more when you're losing all these like big time players. Um, but also, we've got a lot more going to the draft than any other team in the conference. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Can, you know, oh, yeah. I, I know one thing. I, I'm sorry. I want to get back to the, well, one last thing on the bar stool, yeah. guys. Uh, this was kind of cool. Before the game at the Downtown Coach Association, Todd Kowalczyk, he he kind of stood up. While he was sitting at the table after he'd got done speaking and said, "Okay, you know, all, all you guys, you wanna, you're going to want to turn in, tune into the game. These barstool guys, they did our game in Philadelphia, and, and uh, I might have mentioned this last time, but he, you know, if a guy Todd's, you know, Todd's my age, Todd Kowalczyk, mm-hmm. if he can enjoy it, then you know, he he warned he warned all these people it's going to be different. You know, well, on our last on our, our last podcast, I think I think Dan mentioned the fact that in in that barstool classic. In Philadelphia, they interviewed uh, JT Shoemate. Yeah, JT Caleb Presley did, and he he was actually the on-field guy. He wasn't a par- part of the problem at all. He's no. he kind of his shtick is being overly serious, yeah, and kind of waiting for the awkward pauses. So, um, yeah, I've got nothing nothing bad. No, to say but no, but it, it, and it's cool that they have some. It'd be nice for like the bigger organizations to have a guy like that. Yeah, you know, for that, sure, and, and and make the broadcast so much more interesting. But other than that. Yeah. Oh, and then one, one last thing I noticed about the play-by-play announcer. Uh, Darius Alexander with the fact. <laughs> uh, I, I, I decided to give him the play-by-play gig. I'm just just. He curious. looked like uh, one of the guy's cousins that was like, I don't know. That was Cindy uh, Brady doing the game. A, a librarian. <laughs> he When they showed them in the booth, he just didn't match the rep. It was like Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the others. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's like if you follow Barstool and any of their podcasts, they had, I'm pretty sure they have a guy that's a fan of every NFL team. Yeah. And they pick and choose who they want to be these fans so they can kind of rib them and stuff. They get you know, super mad, like the Eagles guy just throwing a fit every week that the Eagles keep losing. So they, they choose their their cast wisely, and it's it's all for clicks, and uh, they're doing pretty oh, well themselves. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. But, you know, overall, I thought the game was well played uh, by the Rockets. Uh, Tucker Gleason had a, I mean. He had a rough game. He did, but he, I mean, he's been out. He hasn't played much this year. Right, and, and it's one of those things where I think, Kyle and I were watching the game and, and noticed that he was throwing off the back his back foot a lot, which causes you to overthrow. And if you noticed, a lot of his misses were overthrows. And he was just missing guys high. And I think a lot of that comes with nerves, you know. And again, like you said, he hasn't played much this year at all compared to last year. To, to me, it looked like there was a lot of routes that were maybe untimed or not. They were out of sync. Like he was throwing to where the guy should have been. And they both kind of look at each other with their hands up, like right. But th- the spot that he threw to had no one in it because that's if the route would have gone that way, it may have been successful. I don't know. 
Um, Could have been a combination of a lot of things. Yeah, and their quarterback was, like we said, clean. Yeah. 20 of 25. Oh, he looks sharp. Um, but we still come, kept him in front of us for the most part. Uh, a penalty near the end of the game that extended a drive and got right, into field goal range. And, uh, and it was a dumb penalty. And, yeah, I in the moment, I thought you know, a five-foot, nine 175 pound corner <laughs> wrestling down their biggest tight end but it when was, you get getting the suplex though i mean i'm surprised he could even do it i know <laughs> we were shocked absolutely um but yeah delancey is now on the transfer portal so good luck wherever he lands kind of an unsung hero was emilio duran he had five punts oh he was four uh, inside the 20 he was i mean dollar that, that's uh close to 80 percent of them were inside the 20 yeah, and like their, that math? their field goal kicker, who I ripped the last podcast, uh, yeah, made everything. You said they had no faith in him, and then he just lit oh, us up. Man. He must have been listening. He wanted to prove you wrong. It's, it's possible. It's very possible. <laughs> what else is there to do in Wyoming? Exactly. Um, so you had a great time. Uh, yes. The millions and millions of Rocket fans who traveled, they probably also had a great time. So, uh, you know what? You know, we, we were talking about this in the pregame show here. And, and pre-production. The pre-production meeting. And, uh, you know, people on Twitter and X or whatever it's called now were, were, were giving Dan a little a little guff and grief. for uh, just me. They were putting it out into the ether just saying, where's Toledo fans at? And, you know, when push came to shove, though, game time, there's a lot of people there. We were on the Toledo side, mm-hmm. and uh, I would say, you know, you know, it's hard to hard to eyeball it. There was thirty thousand people there, according to according to the uh, numbers in the in the uh, box box score. But uh, I'd say there was a good twenty twenty thousand, fifteen twenty thousand Wyoming fans. We had another ten, I'd say. Okay. Well, they did say on 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 the broadcast on on uh, the CW that during they had a pregame uh, pep rally or whatever for UT people, and it was it was a really good turnout. You know, which is saying something for people, you know, traveling, you know, 1,400 miles or right. whatever it is across the country on, you know, a holiday weekend. So were, were either of you guys in Boise in 2012 when we played in the Idaho Potato Bowl? No. So I, I was working for the team that year in Utah State about sold out Boise Stadium. And that was very impressive. Now, come later. Chucky Keaton, right? The quarterback? Yeah. yeah. Later, I think about it. They are the second closest Mountain West school and they're they big enrollment. Um but there was maybe, I don't know, 500 Toledo fans. So the bar for my thoughts as an observer was pretty low. So if you said that there was in the multiple thousands, that's incredible. Yeah, that is kind of huge. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it's just neat just being that far away from home and seeing running into people you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So can we put a bow on the football season? I think we can. Congrats. Are we going to talk anything more about transfer portals think, or anything? I think we're, I think we're, we're okay. We're, we're good for now until we get maybe some off-season coaches or players on. and Yeah, we got signing day coming up in February, yeah. official signing day. We'll put a bow on the uh, football season for now. 11-3. and three. I mean, a lot of teams would go for that. I, you, you, you said that at the beginning of the season. Uh, if we can get a double-digit win season, beat our rival, make the MAC championship. Undefeated at home. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hell of a season. Yeah, it is. Nothing to... Have to be ashamed of, especially when you uh, go out there, you know, undermanned like we were, and give a good battle to a to a big state school like uh, like Wyoming. Exactly. And, and pro football talk, I think pro football talk uh, puts Toledo in, the, in their top twenty five to end the season. So, oh, nice. So, yeah. there's one publication that respected the middle eleven green game streak that we had. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Gotta love it. So now, gentlemen, we're on to basketball. Squeaky shoes, mountain balls. 
Not necessarily in that order. Exactly. So yeah, um, you know, Rocket men and women both off to a great start. Both two and zero in the MAC. Yeah, and uh, and getting road victories to to do that. Absolutely. Uh, the men men started off in the the empty ish convo down in Athens uh, and stole a big one there. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a tougher battle than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, they're they're a roundabout same type of team mm-hmm. as us. Um, they limited their production. Ohio did to only about two players, um, where Toledo got scoring kind of from everywhere, and we saw a lot of new players step up, which I thought was important. Um, and then we capped off the week with a Friday night CBS Sports. And we were on national TV twice this week. Exactly. Yeah. Got to love it. And then uh, very surprising to me, actually, an electric environment against Miami. Yeah. Uh, that comeback was awesome. And that's how you want your building oh, to feel every week. It was amazing. Uh-huh. Brian, you were at that game. Yes, yes. And I know I ran into Dan at halftime there. And it was uh, oh. what, a, what a great tail end of that game. I mean, there was that, that eight-minute mark where they just came back and just the momentum took over and uh Raheem Moss the guy he brings it every night the defensive intensity was definitely there oh, he was sure. awesome let us back um as a side note that was the first game i can remember in my life almost the blue crew was not there really so we we got a refreshing one we <laughs> <laughs> we uh we stepped down into the the cheering section for the last 3 minutes when it really got heated up so you took the place of the blue crew yeah I, you know Mattis the goofy man the, yeah, the proxy exactly um but it was the perfect time to do so we said you know what after this 4 minute timeout we're going down there they're going to need us and uh we just took over at the end of the game and we appreciate that buddy <laughs> yeah we were watch i was watching the game on tv my wife was babysitting Kyle's uh, new son and they came home at, at the tail end of the game and he uh, we're on the phone together going jesus can you believe this they're coming back and, you know it was, it was great it was it was uh really nice to see it, it's something we haven't seen in the past a lot where where the team stays that true to you know the game plan and and does what they need to do to come back i mean yes we've won the mac the three previous seasons, but in that kind of situation, it, it's great to see all these young guys coming together. Doing and it's, this is a team that, that beat uh, George Mason who clobbered Vermont, up Vermont. Yeah. Oh, Vermont. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and was, they, yeah. they took a weird loss at home to Western Michigan early in the week. And that was a pretty big upset. And oh they, yeah, it was. They came in, obviously fired up. We started off slow. Uh, they just hit every shot. Yeah. And we were down, what, 14 in the second half? Yeah, they were shooting lights out. At some point, yeah. Um, it was like an 11-point lead uh, for the Red Hawks at half. Um, but so going into the week, Toledo was 349th in the country in defensive field goal percentage. Now, wow. ending the week, we're at 346th. So I see a little bit of progress. <laughs> so you're saying that they only have a chance. Um, we're 63rd in the country and shooting percentage uh, offensively. So we are actually the number one team in the Mac and offense. So if it's just a different makeup of this team, we're not going to have a 20 points per game guy. Uh, no. We'll probably be led by Moss and Maddox and Cochran and they'll average, you know, 16, 17, something around there. Um, but it's just a different type of team. We're going to have to just yeah. get used to spreading the ball out and, and we we do need to fix the defensive uh, yeah. efficiencies we've had so far this year. Right, and Jordan Loff is is on point with his offensive. That's drafting. right. I was going to say my neighbor here, uh, Jordan Loff. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, I always tell him, you know, if he needs any advice, come on over. <laughs> tell him, tell him what to do. You fill him in. I mean, how I got cut in ninth grade basketball, but uh, doesn't mean I didn't watch it. <laughs> but but it was nice to see, like you mentioned, Tyler Cochran. He's a big. 
he's a big guy in the paint I and mean, he's a guard, but he's still a big, a big guy. But yet you look at Miami, they had a guy that was six, four and he's listed at three ten. and the announcers on, on Marumbo, yeah. Yeah. On the announcers on, I believe it was MB or uh, CBS, CBS sports mm-hmm. said, no, there's no way he's three ten. He's six, four, like three sixty, three fifty, three sixty. We played him in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year. And Todd's like, I think their football team could use a lineman. Like he's yeah, got eyes. He's got great footwork. Oh yeah. That's what I was thinking. He has really good footwork. Very he's impressive. Quick. Yeah. I mean, he, he'd be an amazing, you know, offensive lineman. And the only reason they don't start is because they have a six foot 11 freshman who uh, took the tip and actually had a pretty good game. for. Yeah. Them. He had a solid game. Uh, wasn't wasn't really happy with the way we defended him but i mean what are you gonna do all right man gerger burchick is well he was sick so we yeah he, white came in and did the yeah i was gonna say gerger gerger was not available for the game so yeah and then lawrence then um you see when he gets open man he's really dangerous and mm. i've heard some comparisons so this is the type of team that you see make runs in the ncaa tournament because they they're scrappy you know they drive to the rim well and I think the piece that we're missing is a is a lights out three point shooter. And I think Lawrenceton's definitely that guy. Oh yeah, I think he is too. And it, it's one of those teams that, like you said, makes a run in the NCAA tournament, and they usually fly under the radar all season. Yeah, and we've been you know the one seed had the target on our back for so long. I think now that it's time, you know, I'd, be, I'd love to be the one seed again. But you <laughs> yeah, know what I'm absolutely. saying? Like, yeah, I I I traded in for a uh, five seed in an NCAA tournament appearance. 100%. Absolutely. Any day of the week. So uh, up next, a uh, trip to Kent State. Um, interesting today at the downtown coaches. Coach Kowalczyk is up there. He said, tomorrow night we play our biggest rival, Kent State. I thought that was interesting. Okay. They're one of the, I think them and Ball State are the only two teams that have winning records against Todd. So, yeah. um, so that's probably why. 100%. And they are tough in their own building. I'm not sure if students are back yet. It's kind of on that fringe week. They might be. Um, but they definitely play well at home. Uh, they just they gave up a big lead against uh, Eastern Michigan, a 17-point ha- uh, second-half lead, and Eastern uh, took them down. So um, they'll be feisty and ready. But they, they've got a guard-laden team. They're pretty small, one of the teams that actually matches up with us uh, in height, but then that Peyton down low. Yeah. Um, he's a dunkmeister. They they want to get you, get in your head. Uh, oh, sure. Technicals, and then you know Moss is capable of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> So uh, we just got to kind of keep our head, uh, you know. They'll get, they'll slow down. They cool off, and Eastern Michigan showed that. So there's a proof in the pudding in how to beat them this year. They're eight and six. They're not the the big runaway team that we saw last year. But they played a pretty solid preseason. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That's they consistently do that. So, so that game is also on national TV on CBS Sports Net. So in a row. Yeah, about that. Gotta love it. Yes, and then. We wrap up the weekend at against Ball State, 7 o'clock in Savage Arena. And that's a part of a doubleheader, a day-night doubleheader. The women play at 2 p.m. that day. And we'll get to talk about the women just a little bit. But, uh, yeah, nice, you know, after those two tough you know, that, those two tough games last week, be nice to— uh, Back in the friendly confines. That's right. And uh, that's a 7 o'clock on ESPN Plus if you can't make it out there. And Ball State is 0-2 in the conference. They kind of had a slower start than a lot— many thought um but you know they're a very good team they're going to compete for a top four seed so toledo's got to be ready and uh, it'd be awesome to start off four and oh yeah uh, ideal 
Yes. I told my girlfriend to take off Saturday. We're going to the doubleheader. So yeah, that'll be nice. Yeah. You can make it out. Oh, we'll, we'll be there. For Stubborn sure. brother, Jake's, anywhere in between the games. You got about an hour. Even the Arnie's. Uh, I tell you what, I kind of like oh, that place. Arnie's. Yeah, for sure. Ernesto's is uh, Michael Ray guy. Friend, friend of the program likes to call it. There you go. So on the women's side, you know, say what you will about Trisha Cullop and her team. Nine and three overall, two and zero in the MAC. Just what we expected, you know. Uh, beating that Michigan team back in uh, January, geez, in January, It'd be December, December, yeah, last yeah. month. Yeah. And um, I know. mean, you, you got to love their resilience. They lose Quinesha Lockett for quite a few games now, uh, leading scorer, uh, spark plug. Uh, for the team, team captain, you know, your leader. And everybody has circled the wagons and performed unbelievably, I think. Yes. Yeah, Sophia Wired is has never been a first-team All-Mac, and I think that she's definitely deserved oh. it. There's been some other good point guards in the league, don't get me wrong, but she has just taken this team. It's almost like she's pissed off and saying, okay. It's incredible. Like, some of the plays that she makes are... Are my jaw drops? Yeah. It, I, I, no matter the stat line, it doesn't matter. She's chipping in every single way. Um, and then obviously Sammy McConowitz, even if the shots aren't falling, she's diving for balls and getting rebounds and blocking shots. And and Cook has been hurt a little bit too with an ankle, so she hasn't been playing. So Nan Garcia stepped up in that second post player role, and Hannah Novorovsky is is definitely impressed oh, over the last few. She's weeks. She's coming into her her own. I mean, she she's really started to hit her stride you mm -hmm. know yeah she's getting the ball down low and finishing and that's kind of been a problem of hers in the in the past is is finishing and it's it's been great to see and you know like you said wired there was a play it wasn't in the last game, it was the miami game the miami game where she she tipped grabbed the rebound tipped the ball to herself went out of bounds came back in stole it stole it and got the ball back and then went and, to the line. Yeah, yeah, went to the line. I'm like, geez. Yeah, that's she's just that's a an amazing play. So I, my, if anything happens this year, I, she needs to be first team all Mac as long as she stays healthy and keeps doing what she's doing. Oh, um, he could definitely be up for the role of, of, you know, player of the year. I think so too. Um, Absolutely. We we just play, we played at the arenas that we thought were the worst shooting gyms <laughs> in the country, and it kind of proved out to be. But our, our defensive efficiency has even climbed higher. So. Um, it's just one of those things. Get back at home, make some buckets, and that's what we have this week. And then, yeah, they had um, a trip to well, Miami. They beat them 70-52, to and then they won at Eastern Michigan 48-35. I tell you what, that's some defense right there. And mm -hmm. hold the college yeah. team to 35 points. Yeah, and it was it was not that my or Eastern was uh, shooting horribly, uh, even though they, they were in the first half. But it was great defense. Yeah. And that's just what Trisha, you know, preaches to the team. And, and they know if the shots aren't falling, they can do it another way. I think the second quarter we won like seven to three or something. I mean, yeah. There was a lid on the basket. Yeah, it, definitely there was. But, I mean, you, you you look at what she does day in and day out being Trisha and what she preaches. And the, it it's great to see the buy-in from all the players, the young players. In, and I wanted to mention Emmy Renat. Mm -hmm. And... You know, in in the game against Miami, she was not shooting well, but she just kept firing. Yeah, and that's what shooters do. And she wasn't afraid to keep firing. No. And and finally, she hit a couple, you know, long range ones. And then against Eastern, it started to come back too. And it's really been impressive to see her growth while Quinesha's been out. Yeah, and having Soleil Barnes is definitely helpful oh, too, for sure. Um, she's just kind of working in minutes. I, I think she'll be full strength and probably be our 
our sixth sixth lady of the year. Yeah, she's been around the team for yeah. six years now. So captain. So. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Wired had like a quarter of the points against the Eastern Michigan. Yeah, probably. Like she had like 15 or 16. Yeah. Like she, her stat line was nuts. But it's like she's driving a, a car that has manufactured parts from different places, and she's just trying to keep the motor running get down the track and, yeah. and it's just everyone's just a little off speed and that's why the, you can there's clunky you quarters. can see that in her play especially against eastern because there's points where she was definitely behind the fast break and she comes out of nowhere and tries to get the steal from behind yeah she knows she's doing a lot she's such a, a veteran presence and she's just so smart her basketball iq is oh through the roof yeah, yeah. And, and you know I, I think it's been documented that she's she used to be a linebacker in in football in peewee football and maybe junior high and she's got that mentality on the court and that's so great to see i would say the only negative light i saw was just the turnovers it was like eight oh yeah turnovers both, for both, teams. both those games and i know trisha mentioned that in the post game she's like we just, we're just gonna clean that up like well, yeah the first the whole first half against eastern michigan like for what i think at one point they were like two or three of ten from the field and we were like one of four right it's like in like just trying to nothing was really timed up right and that wasn't even Sophia's turnovers necessarily it was just like Emmy right now just throw up skip pass go out of bounds whatever well yeah and I mean when they brought Dykstra in she's a young girl she's a freshman you know she's getting her feet wet yeah and I I love the fact that she's getting the playing time and it's been cool in a, a couple of the games to see her on the floor with Wired at the same time mm -hmm. because if she can learn from anybody I mean god you want her to learn from Sophia yeah, you could you could think that this team's going to be thin in the future or whatever, but that's why these we're playing our depth to learn what it's like to be a veteran and have that presence. Because exactly. like Sophia Wired and and Quinisha Lockett were freshmen on the same team, they had to play, they had to start. So we're just building for the future. Yeah, yeah, passing yeah. the torch, so to speak. Exactly. So it's coming up. We've got a couple of home games Wednesday night. Western Michigan comes to town seven o'clock, and then as we mentioned, OU. On Saturday, 2 p.m. comes to Savage Arena, so that's part of that doubleheader. So, and y'all better be there for both. And I would be, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna well, be, we I'm, know you're gonna be on the road. I'm gonna be in Stillwater, Oklahoma, that night, uh, bringing my daughter, she's daughter Aislinn, moving back here to Toledo, and uh, flying out Wednesday, driving home, and uh, thought we we'd hoping to pick up a, maybe a game in Stillwater, but men's, women's, even wrestling is not <laughs> home. So, so uh, we might just have to drink Wally World. It's unfortunate. It's going to be an empty campus. Yeah, well, there's Eskimo Joes to go. There you go. Out, so. But yeah, if you can, if you're able to get out there, go out and see the ladies play on Wednesday, and the doubleheader on on Saturday should be fantastic. And for all the fans that were in Ypsilanti, we're sure you'll be at Savage Arena because took over that building, man. Yeah, it looked like there was maybe seven, eight hundred people at the game, and I think. Three or like two or three hundred of them were Toledo fans. It was probably yeah. We probably had the majority, but uh, they were getting ready for a doubleheader. Kent kicked off against our kicked off tipped off against Eastern Michigan thirty minutes after the game. So uh, that's what Eastern Michigan has to do to get fans in the building. You know, it's funny. That's what remember. That's what they did when we were in school. Oh yeah, women played at five, men played at eight. Yeah, and you'd have people hanging out between games, but still, even back then, we were drawing three and four thousand people for the women's game. Yeah, and it got up to about six, seven thousand for the men. Yep. So absolutely. So that that puts a wrap on it for 
this episode of the Midnight Blue and Gold Launchpad podcast. Yeah, I'm so glad everybody could listen. Hopefully we didn't put you to sleep too much, but, you know, I mean, hopefully we weren't driving and put you to sleep. Hopefully you're laying in bed just yeah. listening to our nice, relaxing, dulcet tones. The dulcet tones. Fell asleep with your with a smile on your face and a, and a song in your heart. <laughs> there you go. For the, the two Packers fans, one Lions fan, and one Pittsburgh Steelers fan here, uh, it's been a damn good weekend. <laughs> it's playoff time. Yeah. Absolutely. The Lions are, are conference champions for the first time in 30 years. The Packers made it in. Packers are still kings of the North. Uh, <laughs> Kyle has not moved since you said that. <laughs> but, I really wrote that script well, getting Stafford come in. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the First playoff game at Ford Field. Got to play Stafford. And and Stafford comes back for it. And the Steelers, they're right in there. Baby. Oh, they needed everything to fall their way, and, and it sure did. So. Deontay Johnson, shout out. Exactly. Shout out for the game-winning touchdown. And, and you know what's funny? As a Steelers fan, I he's my favorite player because he's a Toledo Rocket. Right. But he doesn't do me any favors when he drops bad passes, and I'm like, I have to, I have to, you know, stand up for him. I feel like he's my family member, and I gotta <laughs> say, you're not allowed to criticize him. Only I am. You gotta have this. He's back. family. Well, he hasn't had the 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 gunslingers like the Packers have had at quarterback in his career in Pittsburgh. So, as uh, Rudolph really steps into his own, I think Deontay Johnson might be the best player in the NFL next year. Yeah, that's I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I think we're gonna. Go ahead and shut her down for the night. Yeah, let's kiss this baby and put her to bed. All right. On behalf of engineer producer Kyle W. Smith, I am Rocket Ryan Brandt. I am PJ Spiller. And I am Dan Rocket Man Savage. Have a good night, everybody, and TOL! EDO! EDO.